everybody, it's Jimmy Smith. Today on the MMA on Sirius XM podcast, I analyze why UFC strawweight champ Carla Esparza seems to be getting so much unjustified hate from MMA fans ahead of her title defense against Zhang Wei Li at UFC 281. Plus, I speak to city kickboxing head coach and fight mastermind Eugene Behrman about Adesanya versus Pereira and city kickboxing's invasion of Madison Square Garden on Saturday. We're going to play some clips. That's what we're going to do. From Carla Esparza at the UFC 281 pre-fight presser. It has nothing to do with what Carla Esparza is saying. Her answers are pretty stock, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to be the champion. And I'm not afraid of my opponent. Anybody could say these things. Not about what she's saying. I want you to listen to the crowd's reaction to an American fighter on American soil taking on a Chinese opponent, and she's the champion. Let's, let's put all those together. And she's never, like, murdered a child. Let's add that. She's never done anything um, like, you know, said the things that Sean Strickland has said, a Colby Covington has said, right? None of those things. Carla Esparza uh, talking about what a win over Weili Zhang means to her. Listen to the crowd here, folks. It means everything to me. I fought back tooth and nail eight years to get back here so that I could defend this belt. That is the unfinished business that I have left to do, and I'm excited to get the opportunity to do that. Okay. Okay, well, I'm excited to get the opportunity. Boo. As soon as she starts talking. So they weren't booing and then, you know, she, they were booing already and she talked over the boos. No, they started booing as soon as she started speaking. As soon as Carla Esparza started speaking, they booed her. All right? So, did it end? No, it did not. When asked about whether or not anything about Wei Li Zhang scared her, now listen to the question and listen to the answer when it comes to the crowd reaction. Hit it. Is there anything she does that scares you? Um, I mean, not really. I've been, in, I've been in the octagon and the cage with the best of the best in the world for, for 13 years, so I don't think uh, there's ever any, anything new that I'm going to see. All the, all the opponent is top-notch, so, um, I mean, as far as uh, I respect her as an opponent, but am I scared? No. They waited for the reporter to finish the question, and then they started booing, right? On that one, KOB, she seems a little rattled. It's, it, look, we're human beings. We're human beings. As human beings, we are social creatures. As social creatures, you want to... To, to please those around you to some degree. You, you can't be immune to this, KOB. You no. Uh, and here's yeah. the thing. When I say rattled, I don't mean like, oh, all of a sudden she's scared. And I, no, I just mean like, falling apart. I just like, mean like, I think a little thrown off by just how bad. Like, she didn't even start speaking yet. And they were booing yeah. her before she could even talk. I think that threw her off a little bit. I think she kind of waited for it to die down before she answered. But I remember watching that and going, oh, I think she's a little, probably a little hurt to a degree. That, that, that the hate just seems like it's that much there for her. Yeah. Uh, you're an Edge fan, right? Yes. Yes, okay. So I was talking to Edge one time, backstage at WWE, about, you know, being, because, you know, he had just turned heel for the Judgment Day and stuff. And he said, you got to want to be a heel. He said that. He goes, you got to want to be a heel. Because getting booed and people throw stuff at you and it's like, it's, it's psychologically taxing. You got to love it. 
you got to want it. You got to revel in it. And he's like, I revel in it. Like, I don't mind being ill. It's fun. Like, he finds it fun. But it's not something that if you aren't sure about or you don't want to do that you could easily pull off. It does get to you. And that was fascinating to me because it's, you know, you turn the character back and suddenly they're cheering you again, right? So it's, it seems so meaningless to me. But that idea that she didn't ask for this. She didn't turn heel. She didn't hit anybody with a chair, right? She didn't do any of this stuff. And she's being attacked by a crowd. And I will get into the hypocrisy of that in a minute after her next comment, but that's got to that's weigh on you. It's like, she says it doesn't bother her. It, it's got to do something. Because you, you aren't the kind of person who went out like a Colby Covington, like a Sean Strickland, who kind of looked for it. She didn't do that. And here's the crazy part, Jimmy, and you mentioned it. This is an American crowd yes. who was booing her. And by the way, whenever Zhang Wei Li went to speak, even as a translator, they roared in applause for her, yeah. which is crazy. Like... I've always laughed and said Americans are actually pretty equal opportunity in terms of we don't actually root for our own people <laughs> in a lot of MMA yeah, fights. Yeah. We root for whoever is our favorite fighter. And it's very different when you go to like when you watch a London card or a card in Brazil. Oh, they Brazil, root, yeah. They crazy. root for their people. Like they chant you're gonna die at any non Brazilian fighter. So watching the American crowd just boo the hell out of Carla, I could not feel worse for her. That's completely undeserved and unjustified. And have we not interviewed her on the show, Kimby? Have I not yes. sat down with is she not a sweetheart of a person? Very. No problem. Never given you one tiny little problem. Never been difficult on air with me or with you. She's a sweetheart. It sucks. It just, it just does. So, uh, before I get into the hypocrisy of all this, vis-a-vis Frankie Edgar, because there's a tie-in here. Uh, this is, oh my God, this is Carlos Barca talking about bringing the title back to the U.S. of A. Listen. I trained very, very hard for win this title, win this belt again. So I believe I can win this belt back. I put the belt on my waist again. And I'll just say, I'm gonna do everything in my power to keep this belt here in the US. All right, they don't boo the foreign fighters answer about you know winning the title. Nothing, silence. All Carla Esparza says is, I'm bringing the belt back to the United States. And she got booed louder than the previous two boos. Fair or not, Kibby? Am I wrong? Fair. And I've said this a billion times. Coming back from the pandemic, I had said even at events, I didn't realize how much I didn't miss crowds until I watched the first one with a crowd. And I get it. The fighters feed off that. So at the event, that's fine. Fans can be back. I hate fans back at the presser because I hate this kind of treatment of fighters, especially when they don't deserve it. Yeah. Why the hate for Carla Esparza? Why so much of it? Yes, folks, I know. Before you throw your phone, I know about the the, the fight with Rose Namajunas. It sucked. I had trouble scrubbing it out of my cold, dead eyeballs. It was terrible. But I'm going to say two things. Number one, and KOB, give me your honest answer on this one. Does Thug Rose get booed like this? No. No. Not even close. Could you argue that her, as the champion, losing her title in a fight like that was more to blame? Because Carla was controlling the center and a bit more aggressive. You could argue that Thug Rose deserves more of the blame, and yet she wouldn't get booed like this. Fair or not? No. It's it's weird, too, because I, I kind of wonder that myself. If Rose was up there. With Zhang Wei Li, would she be getting booed like this? And I, I felt like the answer was no. No. 
I, I don't know what it is about Carla, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, she lost to Joanna after winning the, the, the inaugural belt, but she scratched and clawed to get there. And yeah, it was not a great fight, but like she got the nod, and for some reason, fans are just really holding that. Again. I don't know what they expected her to do, just throw the belt down and say, I don't deserve this. Yeah. Like, I, what do they want? I don't know what they want out of Carla and why the hate is so massive. I was not expecting that at all when she got at the presser. Israel Adesanya has had some stinkers. Did, was anybody booing him? Did, did he get saddled with that? No. Right? I. I so I would love your opinions about why the, the, the hate for Carlos Barza. But here's the, the other side of it. We as a fan base claim to like stories like Carla Esparza. She loses to Ioana and Jacek in her first title defense, absolutely devastated by Ioana and Jacek. Goes basically win some, lose some. Three and four in seven fights. Loses to Ioana and Jacek, Random Marcos, um, Claudia Gadelia and Tatiana Suarez. Then she goes on a six-fight winning streak that I did not expect. I picked against her in the majority of these fights. Virna Janjaroba, Alexa Grasso, Michelle Watterson, Marina Rodriguez, Jan Shaunan, Rose Namajunas. She fought her way back five in a row to get the title shot. Wins the title. We as a fan base, claim to love runs like this. She didn't really get a push. She wasn't really considered the next big thing. She basically won it all in the octagon. We claim to love Frankie Edgar for these kinds of performances. Undersized, scrappy, you know, gave it everything I had. Nobody helped me. I wasn't the golden boy. Blah, 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 blah. She has that kind of run under the radar, gets a title shot, and is now vilified for having a boring fight. She isn't typically a boring fighter. I would say that Israel Asanya in his, in his last run, of course, Marvin Vittori, uh, Jared Cannonier, Robert Whitaker, three in a row were, were, were pretty boring. The Yoel Romero fight. Remember the Yoel Romero fight? Why didn't Izzy get booed after that one? That fight was terrible. It doesn't. We claim to like stories like Carla Esparza's story. And yet, she's getting hated on at this press conference. Absolutely hated on. She didn't cheat. She didn't win it like you know Aljo did with the you know didn't you know, wasn't by disqualification. Da, da, da. I've seen much worse decisions. I actually agreed with the decision. As bad as the fight was, I thought Carla won it. What's the, what's the, the what's the secret sauce here? What is the ingredient that makes her so hated? I don't quite get it. Other than if we're going to have a champion who has a boring fight, we'd rather it's Rose Namajunas, I guess. That she came out of nowhere and won the fight and people didn't appreciate it. And you're going to win in a boring fight. I'm trying to nail it down here, KOB, and I just can't find the, the combination that makes it work. I can't. I, I know. It's crazy. Like, okay, John Fitch was considered to be a boring fighter, but was still, yes. I, I don't remember him ever getting booed like this. He no. still stayed at the top of the division. Like I don't, Matt Linlin. All these guys. Yeah, Matt Linlin. Yeah, I can name a dozen of them. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about Carla. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just because she did, it, it, even if you weren't paying attention, maybe it did feel like she came out of nowhere and then beat Rose Namajunas, who had won the belt back and beat some of the best in the division, and it was a boring fight, and people just don't want to give it to her. But it's like, 
what are you holding against Carla exactly? I just I don't I don't understand it. Like you said, she she's a very nice person. She does media. She she earned her way back. One bad like one bad fight and everyone has just turned on her like, again. I don't think they I don't think they would do this to Rose. I don't think Rose would get booed, and she was no. in that fight too. And you could argue that she had a more boring performance than um, Carla Esparza. You could argue that, you know, Carla was taking the center, was a little bit more. It was a terrible fight. But why does this all come down on her? And by the way, Esparza has acknowledged that. Every single time, with us, she did it. Yes, it wasn't, you know, it's not the greatest performance in the world, but like, whatever, like, you know, you got the belt. Like she's, it's not like she said like, oh, you know, the fans are really being jerks about this, uh, this whole fight. She's acknowledged that the fight was boring. I, I don't get it. I don't know what fans are so mad at. Also, as a fan base, I have seen MMA fans support really reprehensible behavior. I John Jones beat up his fiance, allegedly. All right, I said allegedly. He fired a gun in public. He hit a pregnant lady with his car. Da da. You know, and John Jones, I've never seen John Jones get booed like this. We know about Colby Covington and his shtick. We know about Sean Strickland and his shtick. You know, they've seen some really bad things. Some really morally reprehensible things. And yet our venom as a fan base is reserved for a champ that had a boring fight. This is, you know, even Chael Sonnen, right? Love Chael to death, man. He's my guy. But he said some things where I'm like, all right, you're kind of a dick. <laughs> you know, that was his shtick, right? The American, he said some terrible things. Fans stood by him, never heard him get booed. And it's, it's, it, it, I don't understand it. I, I don't really get it. Why it's reserved for a fighter, a champion, who clawed her way back to title contention, won five in a row, and then beat the champ. You know, I, I don't get why it's so focused on her for a boring fight that took two fighters fighting in a boring manner to happen. This wasn't Rose Namunis was slinging bombs the whole time and she evaded them and it was boring because of her takedowns. No. No, they both had a boring fight. I think it may have ruined the career a bit of, of Rose Namunis because... Jesus, like her whole thing, you know, Thug Rose, and she goes in there and knocks people out, and she had a total dud of a fight. She's not champion anymore. So we'll see about the the, the effects on her career long term. I think they're going to be pretty bad. But she's certainly not getting the hate that Carla Spars is getting. Let's turn this over to the fight itself. Let's turn it over to that. If it's getting to her a little bit, even a little bit, at the press conference, which it's got to. She didn't expect this kind of hate. Walking into the octagon as fucking champion. You have the title. You have gold around your waist and the audience is booing you. When you are fighting a Chinese opponent on home turf, Madison Square Garden, the Big Apple in New York, and you are getting booed. KOB, you can't look me in the eye and tell me. That's not going to have a little bit of an effect on you. You can't. It goes one way or the other. It could rattle you. Like, I remember Zhang Wei Li saying it rattled her. It can rattle you or it can become fuel. Like, I am going to stick this up every one of your asses right now with what I do here in this cage. Like, you're going to watch me be awesome and you're going to, you're just going to deal with me being champion. Here's the, the, the thing. 
I do believe it would motivate certain people. And maybe it will motivate Carlos Barza. Maybe we will see that. But, big huge but here, she didn't ask for any of this. And what happens most of the time, fighters that are charged up by negativity, who don't care, right? Or like, ah, boo me, I don't care, I'm going to go in and whip your ass. Usually ask for it. They usually do the Colby Covington, the Sean Strickland, say controversial things, dumb things, whatever it is. They embrace that role. Carla really hasn't. She's kind of stayed away from it. You know, we haven't heard her, you know, F this. I'm going to, you know, like like the way Aljo owned it, right? Aljo, after getting kneed in the head by Piotr Jan and winning the title on disqualification, first UFC fighter to do that, just like dove into it head first. Like, all right, fine. You know, the, the whole Oscar and acting thing. And, you know, he did it. He leaned into it. And it made him, I think, stronger as a fighter, man. He's looked great since then. So, Carla didn't ask for any of this. She didn't embrace any of this. This wasn't part of what she, you know, part of her identity in any way. That's what makes me think it's going to be harder on her than it will be on certain fighters. That she didn't, it seems to kind of surprise her. She's not surprised that, you know, she knows how bad the fight with with Rose Namunas was. She gets that. But I didn't think she expected this reaction. And not expecting this reaction... It's much harder to deal with. So I, I hope you're right, KOB. I hope she does. Like, hey, I'm going to show you mother effers. But the idea that that's not really her personality. She didn't ask for this kind of controversy. Get what I'm saying, KOB? <laughs> Listen, I, I feel like a lot of the time they don't ask for it. We saw even with TJ, like I've said, early on in his career, they call him a snake. They do all that. What do he do? He embraced but it. But he ran with it pretty he quick. He embraced it. Yeah, I, he I, ran with it pretty quick. It, yeah. it might be good for Carla that she had this press and that she sees what she might be up against in terms of the crowd. Because maybe it's enough time to really go, okay, this is the way it's going to be? All right, that's fine. And it, and it fuels you. If it was sudden, maybe it'd be a little bit more crazy for her. But I think this presser gave her a good idea of like where the fans are with her. And I think having that in your back pocket and knowing you're going you're gonna to feel that the second you walk out to that cage, I think that can be a motivator. I'm like, all right, go ahead and boo. Watch what happens now. Yeah, I hope so. I really do. Now, bear in mind, she has a very tough fight. Against Zhang Weili. That's going to be a really, really difficult one. Zhang Weili is, is an incredible fighter. It's a really tough first title defense. And imagine being Zhang Weili and going, dude, I'm getting cheered at Madison Square Garden, you know, against a, a, a sitting champion from this country. That's got to be a trip. By out. the way, especially after her last fight in New yeah. York where she, where she said the booze rattled her. Like, what a turnaround for, for Zhang Weili. Yeah. Having it's to do, unbelievable. Having to really do nothing either. It's just, for some reason, fans have a, have a case against Carla, and all of a sudden she's getting roaring applause whenever she speaks now. What about that idea that, you know, a couple good punches, a little vicious ground and pound might turn this around for Carla? I don't know. I, I can't figure out this fan base. Maybe. Winning usually cures all, but, like, I don't know. I don't know if they'll boo or if, if they're giving the crowd the violence they want, maybe. But I, I don't know. It's, I, I wasn't expecting this kind of reaction to her period. So I have no idea what the fans are going to do. Well, also, tactically, she's not a great finisher. She just isn't, right? It's, it's not really her thing. Um, in, in the fights leading up to the fight with Rose Namunas. So her last six, she's got one finish. And that was against Yan Xiaonan. Incredible performance. She's not a great finisher. So the problem would be, and I think her coach is still Colin Oyama, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm Colin Oyama, I go, look, hey, don't let this crowd make you carry yourself too fast. You're trying to win the approval of the crowd. I want an action-packed knockout. I want to, you know, 
All right, that's not really her style. It's not really what she does. She's a control-the-tempo, user-wrestling, user-versatility. That's what she's great at. She's not a fantastic finisher. So the idea that she can it, that, that, that the crowd might make her pursue a game plan that doesn't behoove her, in the octagon, that's the danger. And if I'm calling Oyama, I definitely, hey, whatever you do, don't let this crowd convince you that you need to carry yourself faster. You need to do something for them. Screw it. Get the win. Don't care how. That's the, the nuts and bolts of it. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM channel 156 every army needs a general the general in this case is my guest eugene behrman city kickboxing head coach how you doing my man first question i have for you very very simple what's it is it like herding cats with all these fighters on the same card same place same time how stressful is it for you man uh, yeah you have it going jimmy now it's um it's it's uh, it's very hectic, but we've uh, we're a well-oiled machine now. We've done this uh, for quite a few years now, so it's not like my job is. I, I share the weight with a lot of other guys who help me out. <laughs> so when 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 as as two eighty one gets gets closer, right? As we're as we're heading to it, um, what is it like having so many guys on the same card, sparring wise, training wise, everybody in the same room? Does the intensity go up at the same time as it gets closer? The intensity goes up. The just the general feeling of like that there's something big around the corner goes up. The anticipation goes up. There's something special about having uh, three, four guys on a card on the same card, all working towards the same same goal. Something very, very special uh, happens, and other gyms will know about this. But um, we've done it quite a few times because the UFC has been lucky enough to bless us with that. And, uh, yeah, something special gets created for sure. Well, I, I heard an interview with um, Israel Asanya about how every camp, his last three camps, every camp has gotten better. Every camp he's gotten more efficient. He's gotten better as a mixed martial artist. How was this camp different? You're obviously taking on a kickboxer with real power, a guy who's faced um, Izzy a couple times. How was this camp different getting ready for Pereira? It's different because well, a few things made it different. Uh, what's at stake is the first, first and foremost, made it different. Um, you know, like I've got, we've got Izzy fighting his kind of arch nemesis, so you could say. I've got Dan Hooker back at one fifty-five after being at one forty-five unsuccessfully and coming off losses. I've got Brad Vidal coming off two, two losses. I've got Carlos Olberg in his first fight of his new contract against a very dangerous opponent. It's what's at stake and the pressure. Um, that makes it special. It is extra pressure. And the thing is that athletes at this level and my athletes, that, that they need the pressure. That, that, that's like, that's the place where they perform best when they're under a lot of pressure. So that, that's what makes it unique. Uh, speaking, of course, of Eugene Behrman, head coach at CKB. Um, Israel Adesanya heading into this fight, he said, I haven't talked a whole lot. I've made it about the fight itself. I haven't really, um, 
I haven't really made it about our previous fights. I haven't said, oh, I need this one back. Mentally, do you feel for him it's just another fight, it's just another title defense, or is there a little edge to this one? No, there's definitely a, a little edge. Like, our, you know, our build-up reflected that little bit of edge. Um, you know, the way we treated the media and the outsiders reflected that edge. Like, we we didn't do hardly any media except for our local guy that we always do. I kicked his um, stupid YouTube team out and uh, got rid of them. I got rid of all the media. And um, we really just put our heads down in the gym and um, worked really hard. Uh, when you look at his last few performances, of course, uh, since moving up to 205, there was the Marvin Vittori fight, Robert Whitaker, Jared Cannonier, all dominant, right? All dominant, but outside type of fights. He played the range extremely well, great combinations, but really kept his the danger of his opponents, right? What his opponents can do, he nullified it. He kept that to a minimum. A lot of fans... Not happy with the performances. They want the big knockout. They want the Paulo Costa-type finish. Does any of that stuff get to Izzy, trying to please the fans? Or is it, I'm out there to win in the most dominant way possible? Does it bother him in any way? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I believe it does bother him. But I believe he needs time to process what's going on. And once he's processed the fight and analyzed it properly, then he comes brings himself to a place where the coaches are at, where we, where he understands the dynamics of the fight and how it played out. So um, initially, I think those sort of things do get to him, but I think he comes to terms with them and realizes that um, a lot of it's just emotion. You talked about the pressure kind of making diamonds when it comes to your team. When they're under pressure, they fight better. The idea that Alex Pereira has real power and can knock out anybody at 185, does that element of danger make Izzy more dangerous? Because he's going to respect the power. Is that a possibility? I think so. I think when you fight a puncher, um, and, and all fighters will know this, um, it brings a special – it takes you to a special place. It pushes you to a special place. You know that you have to be um, very, very sharp in your mind and um i think that it's going to make israel i think israel's going to respond because of that danger but i I mean i think israel's a far more skilled fighter and i think both their fights and kickboxing reflected that um but um when you've got that power you don't necessarily have to be the most skilled fighter to win the fight when you've got that special power that special gift has part of the issue been over the last few fights that they were that his opponents were fighting very safely? Do you think that's part of the issue? And do you think Pereira's going to fight safe or he's going to go for it? Uh, I think, look, yes, that's a very big, that's been a big part of it. But also, look, I, I mean, I, I went on record. We couldn't, the offense that we asked Israel to find, the offense that we practice, the offensive strategy, he wasn't able to find versus Cannoneer. We had real problems um, bringing uh, our training, um, bringing our training and our strategy and what we were saying in the corner and what he was saying. We had trouble bringing that together. And a lot of that has to do with uh, several different things, a lot of stuff in his mind and a lot of and some strategical things he has to change. And a lot has to do with the opponent, just like you said, absolutely, um, Jimmy. But... Pereira is not going to be intimidated like a Cannoneer or a, 
Vittori or Acosta, like he's seen, literally seen the best strikers in the world um, throwing some of the best weapons in the world at him. Um, but Israel Fraser at home is not going to be particularly intimidating for him. So he's going to he's going to be willing to take more risks. And then when you take more risks, then you're going to fall into a world that Israel controls where he's the master of. So um, it's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, speaking, of course, to Eugene Behrman, head coach, City Kickboxing. Let's talk a little bit about the other fighter you have on the main card, which is Dan Hooker against Claudio Puelles. As you said, had trouble at 145, coming off some losses. How much of camp or the, or the preparation of this fight is kind of like forgetting the past and starting over? Was that part of the, the psychological part of getting ready for this fight? Do you believe in that? Oh, for Dan, 100%. For Dan, we kind of like... We stripped everything back, and we we went back to some of his earlier fights when he was on a bit of a run and uh, had a bit more success. And we um, we tried to recapture some of those things that we felt um, he had moved away from in terms of the skill set. And um, yeah, so so we 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 that was all in an effort to kind of like move him back to where he was and forget about um, those past losses. How physically different is it working with a guy who is going from 45 to 55? He was a big 55er. He's a big lightweight going down to 45. I'm sure took a lot out of him physically. Do you notice the differences getting ready for this fight as opposed to his fight at 45? Yeah, uh, look, I was an integral part of him moving to 55 the first time because you remember he originally fought at 145 yep. and it was it's a horrific, horrific, horrific weight cut and a horrific camp. Horrific, like, um, uh, yeah, horrendous. So um, it's, night, it's night and day. They can't even be compared to each other. Um, how Dan even made 145 just still amazes me, but um, it's just the type of person he is. Uh, how difficult is it setting up individual game plans for each fighter when you have so many fighters on the same card? Are, do you feel a little spread thin? Is there a general game plan? How does it work, you know, game planning when, you know, once again, you got, what, four guys on the main card? Uh, uh, that is the most difficult part of the for, – for, for our team who do a lot of – a lot, we're pretty big on video analysis um, – Having four guys and going over four sets of opponents is um, it's exhausting to be honest. It's, it's it's exhausting. It's the hardest part of it. And I'm lucky, Jimmy. I'm not the only one doing this. I have uh, I have another three coaches who are just as just as enthusiastic about the uh, video analysis uh, as as I am. And um, and and we 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 think we've done a really good job. And, and, our job, we've done what we always do. We've um, we've thoroughly analysed all the opponents, and then we've we've uh, stripped stripped what we've seen back. We've stripped everything back. We've stripped everything back to what we think uh, is important and what we think our fighters capable of, and what we think we can achieve in the given amount of time. Um, being the training, um, given the the training camp, so I think we've done a good job. I want to ask you why well, I got you here. Eugene Behrman, coach of City Kickboxing. Brad Riddell, uh, Hanato Carnero. Carnero, very dangerous guy, stand-up fighter. He's lean, he's strong, he's fought some very, very good fighters. But you can see 
He's been through the ringer a bit more than Brad. Brad's a bit younger, a bit fresher. What's the game plan for Brad Riddell going to that fight against Carnero? <laughs> What's the game plan? In a vague uh, way. Don't have, to get, don't, don't have to give anything away. But what are your, your general thoughts about it? Uh, look, I mean, we're going to – like Brad – before getting into UFC, was one of the best stand-up fighters in the world. He was not a very—he was not one of the more well-known guys, but um, he was one of the best guys in his weight at the world. And and that our base, our game plan focuses around that. We we think Brad has a distinct advantage on his feet, and don't be surprised for Brad to look at dominating that outside that outside striking um, uh, zone and. Uh, and if, if Mokano wants to risk more and come inside, then um, look for Brad to look for Brad to dominate that area as well. But uh, Brad's going to stick and move and stay on the outside and um, break this guy down and accumulate damage. I was there for Izzy's debut in Perth, Australia, when he pretended to urinate in the cage. I remember, I remember him doing that, pretending to urinate on the octagon uh, in Perth, Australia, making his debut. How much has Izzy grown? Since that UFC debut to now, what's it been like as his coach to see his development? Uh, Israel is probably the top one or two students in terms of his, in terms of that I've ever coached in terms of his ability to uh, learn something new and gain mastery of it. So he does it the fastest, is what I'm talking about, and. Um, um, given that unique ability that he has in that department, his development has been, yeah, it's it's um, it's moved at a rate that I've never seen any fighter, uh, uh, any other fighter move. So um, it's a lot different game. He he has a lot different game now to what he had in Perth, um, and he has some other tools and weapons there that he's never used, and he might not ever use in his career, but they're there if he needs them. <laughs> When you think about the middleweight legacy, and right now Anderson Silva, the top middleweight of all time, uh, if with a win on Saturday, Izzy ties him for most middleweight title defenses. He said he doesn't chase records, he just chases bodies. That's what Izzy said at the press conference. You, as a coach, do you believe Israel Asanya, when it's all said and done, will be the greatest middleweight of all time? Yeah, well, if you're putting him second to Anderson Silva, then I'm putting Izzy first because Izzy has no USADA violations on his record. So I'm putting Boom! him first already. Snap goes coach. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so right now you put him number one in the world of well, all time. I don't. You, you do. You, I'm saying that you probably have to, given that um, Anderson's got some black marks by his name, right? So um, I, I don't uh, – to be honest, Jimmy, I don't really – I never really think of things in that like that. I'm never really thinking – in terms of like, is he the greatest or is he second greatest or third greatest? I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm just going fight to fight, fight to fight. So every every challenge is so big, you never really have time to like stop and think about that things as a coach. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if other coaches share that same sentiment, but yeah, I never really think about it. Well, I know you got a ton of fighters to look after, and you are incredibly busy. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Eugene Behrman, head coach, City Kickboxing. Thanks again, brother. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. And the Wi-Fi held up. Thank you. It, it did. Best of luck on Saturday, my man. MMA on SiriusXM is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. 
Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, Channel 156, and on the SXM app. Serious XM Podcasts.